Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Can UCF make it to the Big 12 championship game? It's time to make some predictions, Night Nation. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I'm your host, Sean Green. Before we get started, as always, a quick word from our sponsors, Bet Online. They're back. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs this college football season. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action remember to use promo code believe for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts nick Geddes, welcome back uh last week you know was the return now it's the every week you are on and we are so happy to have you on how are you doing uh i'm fighting through uh, a sickness right now so Forgive me, audience, if I don't have as much juice today, but I'm going to do my best to get, to uh, give you all good good stuff today and give our uh, our season predictions here because we are, what, are we seven days away, if I'm not mistaken, from recording? From the day of this recording, we are officially seven days away. We are we are seven days. The closer it gets is, the closer it gets to us, uh, the closer I get to confirming that I'm going to be in the bounce house for that game against Kent State. I just need to be on campus. It's been a while. I haven't been on campus since the Cincinnati game, I want to say. Yeah, that was the game you went to. I think that was like in October. It was hot as hell. Got a crazy sunburn. and But I'm excited to get back onto campus. I mean, my, uh, my alma mater, man. I can't wait. No, it's great. And we are so pumped, regardless of who the opponent is, right? Last year was SC State. There's still that excitement that it's it's college football and listen if the worst thing you know going into the building is you're going to get a dub then then that's how it is but who knows maybe we don't think we'll win the first game we'll see in a little bit um before we get into it i know we're going to get to it in just a second we have the the time stamp right there if you want to just go to the predictions um a couple of announcements we have for those watching right now you will hear about this on monday if you follow me on Twitter, but you're getting an early preview of Monday's announcement. So we're going to be starting to do giveaways uh, for Charge On. Basically, most, if not every single week, we'll be doing a giveaway. All you have to do is subscribe to this YouTube channel, follow both me and Nick on Twitter, at Sean MR Green at Nick Edis News. It's right below us. Um, follow us on Twitter, and then wherever the tweet that I post, put down and follow the description of whatever I put. So I think this week it's going to be your record predictions. So we've got a nice UCF hat. Um, honestly, I'm kind of jealous. Uh, when I bought this, I was like, I kind of want it for myself because uh, I have I only have like two hats in my collection of just wearing on air. Uh, but you'll get this hat, and you'll get two tickets to the opening game against Kent State. Um sponsored by charge on so please uh go on monday i know this is friday but you're just getting an early idea go on monday subscribe do all that and you'll be entered for the giveaway so that's what we're going to start doing and we have one more announcement next week not ready to announce that yet but 
new and exciting things coming to the channel. Um, so I appreciate you as always. Now for this, the non-rambling, probably what you all are actually here for is our predictions. Now, we talked to Nick for however many months we've not had football about this upcoming team, this upcoming season. We're finally here in the Big 12. And it's been very interesting to see sometimes when we talk about the season, or we talk about the record, how some people might, you know, say we're, we got a disrespectful comment uh, a couple weeks ago saying we were being disrespectful to say that six and six was, you know, good for this team. So we were going to do this anyway, but we're going to go game by game, kind of talk briefly about each team. For those of you that are tuning in, that are fans of these big 12 teams, hi, welcome, please subscribe. We'll talk about you when we play you. But I thought it was very important to really talk through our analysis and what we're seeing and what we're hearing out of all these teams and giving kind of the ceiling and the floor for UCF. I'm going to be giving my personal ranking while also giving a ceiling and a floor. So Nick, are, are you ready? Do you have all of your predictions in front of you? Are you ready to go? I am ready to rock and roll, Mr. Sean Green. All right, let's get started with Kent State. Week one, obviously at home. Coach Ken Burns, uh, he replaced Sean Lewis. Sean Lewis ended up going to Colorado uh, to be with Coach Prime. Uh, they had a 5-7 and seven record last year, obviously in the MAC. Uh, offense and defense. Let's get real here. Kent State is probably going to be the, one of the worst teams in college football. They've replaced basically their entire team. Uh, both offensively and defensively. Once Sean Lewis left, a lot of the, pe- the players went into the portal, which has caused, you know, this team to, I think on the preseason rankings, like when you rank all the teams, they're like 120th or, or, or something to that effect. They're pretty bad. But again, uh, there's not much to go into with this game. Um, I think they've got a couple players at quarterback that are vying for it. Um Marcellus Marshall, who's probably going to be a starter on our offensive line. He was on their uh, team last year, um, all MAC or all MAC. Um, and the defense not going to be great. So I have a W. Not much to get into with this game, but Nick, kind of give your thoughts on Kent State um, and what you're looking out of the, the flashes, the golden flashes. Uh, I'm not expecting anything out of the golden flashes, <laughs> to, be, to be honest with you. Uh, I told you I was going to keep it short and sweet. On Kent State last week, I'm not changing now that we're here. This, I sh- it should be what they did to South Carolina State last year to open up the season, is exactly what UCF should do to Kent State here in the season opener at home. And you know, at this point, you just want to see that offense just do what it's do what we expected to do under uh, Darren Henshaw, and you know, that's move the ball, that's put up a lot of points, play an entertaining brand of football defensively they shouldn't have any problem having their way you have to think you're probably gonna have a sold out crowd there for the first game everybody's gonna be lubed up and ready to go I think UCF rolls comfortably in this game and starts out 1-0 yeah it should be a lot of fun it doesn't matter the team but it's good to start 1-0 just like last season with SC State let's go into week two Boise Boise State uh, I think, Nick, you remember the the game from many years ago, or not many, but a couple of years ago. I was there uh, for that one. I was also. What a crazy, crazy experience, crazy game. Uh, this is the week that I'm calling Louisville week. Uh, I think if we were to lose uh, this game, I'd probably title it, you know, Louisville 2.0. Uh, this is not an easy game by any standards. I mean, they're the favorites to win their conference. They're 
under Andy Avalos. It's his third year. He's been good. First year was a little bit of a struggle. He came back into form with the Boise State form, quote unquote. Uh, they were ten and four last year. I mean, it looks like Taylor Green's going to be the starting quarterback. Again, guys, we're not going into too many specifics. We'll really do more of a deep dive on each team specifically uh, once the season gets started. Because, again, some of these guys, you know, who knows? Might get hurt. Might get put to the bench. So, who knows? Um, they are replacing six starters on the defense. And they were really good defensively, Nick, last year. So, I think this is a one of those games where just like Louisville last year, right? You kind of look at it saying you should win this game. Now, Louisville was at home last year. This is having to go to Boise, and it wasn't an f- easy game by any means the first time he played them. So, kind of, what are you looking at with Boise? They obviously open up at Washington and then get us at home. So, not an easy first two games by any means for Boise. But, kind of, what are you looking at in terms of, of UCF? I have it as a dub to uh, going 2-0. But, uh, what are you looking at it uh, from a UCF point of view? I, I'm torn on this one of where I where I lie right now because this to me just seems like one of those typical trap games on your schedule. You got to go across the country to Boise, Idaho, kind of a weird environment, the blue field, all that kind of stuff, the gimmick that it is. It feels like a trap game and it kind of is how Louisville gave me the same feeling last year. And of course, that game was at home. So that was a little bit more surprising. It would not surprise me one bit if UCF went out there and laid a stinker. It just wouldn't. No. It just wouldn't. I've seen it before. Um, if UCF overcomes that game, no matter what the score is and gets out, that's going to show me a lot about this team, in my opinion, because it is a trap game, like I said. Um, I'm kind of torn on it. For the sake of what I think they're going to go, I'm going to give them a win for now. I'm going to pencil that in. I'm not going to sharpie it in. I'm going to pencil it in that they'll end up getting that win and starting out 2-0 and in preparation for Villanova. You know, it's interesting. So I did a worst-case scenario and a best-case scenario. And this is the first game that I put as, even though in my prediction I said, listen, the way I viewed it is all most of the players that are on the roster were playing last year. So I think the remembrance of we lost in Week 2 to Louisville, that was a quote-unquote trap game. I think there's a this year going into that game of hey let's not let this happen two years in a row let's let's get the one and no mentality going we're not some great team just because we blew out you know Kent State week one or SC State right let's go into week two let's handle our business next week we can get kind of another off week with Villanova coming in and then we can worry about our Big Twelve schedule let's focus on this game. Truthfully, too, this game's one of the more important games of the season, I think. And a lot of people 100%. aren't talking about that. Everybody's, you know, focusing on the uh, the Big 12 schedule, and rightfully so. But starting out with this game here in the second, their first road game of the season against Boise State, you put them away. That, to me, could be the difference, ultimately, of if they're going to get bowl eligible or not. That's the way I see it. I feel like this game's going to tell you a lot. It's so paramount, in my opinion that this UCF team jumps out to a 3-0 and start before you get to Big 12 play. I agree. And now, I'll say this. When we talk about my worst-case scenario, we'll talk about it at the end and tell you kind of the teams when I talk about worst-case scenario that they lose to. It goes right up until the end. 
I, you don't know what my record is, but it goes up right until the last game to where you could potentially be bowl eligible for worst case scenario. I do think this team, best case scenario, which I also have, has a really decent shot at being one of the great UCF teams, depending on how they play, right? We're really going to find out early. Um, but yeah, that Boise game is scary. I don't like that it's in week two, just like I don't like that we're playing Florida next year. Because again, there's you really need to start out strong in those first three weeks. And I think having Boise, though, I think it's a good test for the guys. And I think this is a very winnable game. By any means, I don't think Boise State is, you know, tougher than most of the big no, 12 teams I, are playing. I would feel a lot like, I feel like my opinion would change a little bit if the game was at home. I feel 100%. like I would have a completely different thing. It's just the, you see this all the time in college football. There's always that trap game on the schedule. And this is just the classic one away in a kind of a weird environment. I'll say this, the final thing on Boise. They have a dual threat. Taylor's uh, a dual threat guy. You know, he can run, he can pass. This will be a good test to see how UCF is going to fare against those type of quarterbacks. You're not going to see too many of them in the Big 12. A lot of the quarterbacks that we're playing against, you know, there are some, but a lot of them are pocket passer quarterbacks that can light you up uh, from the pocket. But it will be interesting to see how they handle it because, again, when you see some quarterbacks you're seeing later in the season – you know, this will kind of determine if we're looking at a win or loss uh, for UCF. Uh, let's go to week three. So we're both at 2-0 right now. Uh, let's go to week three, Villanova. We're not spending more than five seconds on this game. Uh, it's going to be a blowout. Um, Coach Mar Ferrenti, he's been there since 2017. The record last year was 6-5. and five. Connor Watkins seems to be um, the quarterback. And I wrote on here, UCF is the toughest opponent they will face. And that's very true. I think UCF is literally, if you go look at their schedule, uh, it's no joke. If UCF lost that game, I'd be shocked. It should be the, I think this will be a temple type game from last year, like a, a 70 type point performance by UCF. It should be, or we're going to have questions. <laughs> Truthfully, <laughs> if they, if this game was any close, close at all, I would have major questions about UCF, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to roll and they'll, and they'll be three, and zero after these, uh, these first three games. So you got three, and zero. Week four, first game in the Big 12. Uh, the game that a lot of people are kind of circling. Uh, it's away, which is against the uh, current Big 12 champion, Kansas State. Uh, Chris Kleiman's the head coach. They won the Big 12 last year, obviously. They went 10-4, 7-2 in the Big 12, which is, again, very impressive whenever you can put up a record like that in a Power 5 conference. Um, Will Howard, there's a lot to like about Will Howard. Now, they were having, you know, basically a quarterback toss-up last year when Will Howard finally got the job and they stuck with him. I think that was when Kansas State was at their peak. I'm excited to see what he does. He only played in seven games. He threw for over 1,600 yards and 15 touchdowns. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see him. I hope he doesn't do well against us. Um, but what a quarterback. The big question mark is you're, you are replacing Deuce Vaughn. He was a huge part of their offense. Uh, you are kind of replacing him with kind of a double head at, at running back, depending on how they want to do it with DJ Giddens and Trayshawn Ward, obviously from Florida State, um, which you can kind of get into a little bit more on him. Um, wide receivers, you only have really one big one. That's a big question mark for Kansas State is kind of the receiver room. Um, defense, impact play, uh, players, Daniel Green. Um, here's... I think Kansas State is one of the more well-rounded teams. They did lose a lot of players to the NFL, obviously. But I think Kansas State, going to Kansas State, it's doable. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not doable. 
Um, I think UCF can win that game. But if I had to choose right now, and I had to choose, if I'm looking at worst case scenario and best case scenario, I think UCF comes out with a loss in any one of those scenarios. Um, I didn't say, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be really close. But I think Kansas State has a really good all-around team. And I think they're early in the season, within the first five games, you're going to get one of those losses. And if I, I think if there's any team UCF is going to lose to, it will be Kansas State. Nick, kind of give your thoughts on uh, Kansas State in week four. Yeah, I think Kansas State, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, will Howard, I thought, came on strong at the end of last season once they settled on him as the guy. Uh, you know, this is the school that, if you recall, played against Alabama and I want to say, what was it, the Sugar Bowl or the Cotton Bowl? And they got rolled pretty handedly, but, you know, it's Alabama, whatever. Uh, replacing Deuce Vaughn with Treshawn Ward, I don't think you could ask for a better replacement than that. Uh, watched Treshawn Ward's entire career at Florida State. Every time he got in there, he, that guy just gets chunks of yardage every single time. I think he's going to be one of the better running backs in the Big 12. And I think the offense will definitely run through him. Uh, defensively, this was a really good team last year defensively. And they did lose a lot of talent on that side of the ball to the to the NFL. And none more notable than Felix Anaduke um, Azamoa, who went, I believe, first round to the uh, to the Chiefs, who was one of the best pass rushers in all of college football last season. Julius Brents, another standout corner, got drafted as well. Josh Hayes, another one of their corners, got drafted as well, and some other guys. So, they're replacing a lot on that side of the ball, but Kansas State in general, I think we all would agree the arrow is pointing up for them. And being that this game is on the road and this is your first challenge, I think this is not this is not what you wanted on the schedule as a first Big 12 opponent. If you want it, you're just jumping right into the deep end to one of the teams that if you ask people who are the four of the five teams that really have a shot at winning the Big 12 this year, I think Kansas State probably is on that short list of teams. So I think just looking at all that, I think this is where UCF probably gets hit with their first L of the season. Yeah, and I will say, I mean, I know UCF many years ago played at Kansas State and, and kind of it made it a game, kept it close. Uh, they almost they almost won the game. I think it's a different Kansas State team. I'm not saying, and I, I, I want to make it very clear. I think there is a chance UCF wins that game. I think, again, maybe Kansas State, takes UCF for granted, says they're one of the younger teams. And I actually do think UCF matches up pretty well against Kansas State. I, I do. I personally think UCF does match up really well. I just think all the hype around Kansas State right now, going on the road specifically, Kansas State is not an easy place to play. I'm going to give UCF the L here. I think we both agree with that. Um, but it'd be if UCF wins that game, then I think you can really start to turn your head and be like, okay, there could be something here, right? Let's go to week five, Baylor. Now, I'll say this. I said earlier, I did like a, when the schedule came out, Nick, I don't know if you were on, but we gave kind of like a way too early kind of prediction based on the schedule and everything. Everything is going against Baylor in this game. It's the anniversary of the Fiesta Bowl where UCF beat Baylor. Baylor kind of had a down year last year after winning the Big 12. They went 6-7. and seven. Dave Aranda, who I think is an incredible coach. I think if anybody can kind of flip that switch and turn the team around, I think it is him. Uh, the question mark right now is obviously who's going to be the starter. I know Blake Shapin, he's, he got announced as the starter, but who knows if that's going to stick. He 
can throw for a lot of yards, has a problem with, you know, keeping the ball on his team and not throwing it to the other team. Had 10 interceptions last year. Um, Sawyer Robertson, he's a redshirt sophomore transfer from Mississippi State. I think you might be able to see him by week five. Who knows? You might He might be the starter. Um, a rebuilt O-line. Defense was not that good last year. It was better than most that we will be seeing, um, but it wasn't that great and only had one returning starter in the secondary. I said months ago, I believe that UCF wins this game, and I still believe that. I'm... It, Baylor, it's another one of those teams where they could be good. Like a lot of these Big 12 teams, it's it's really going to be. They all are kind of very even of the pack. And it's going to be who can really step up, and you'll see it very early on. I think Baylor is a team that could be decent, but I think that place is, the bounce house in week five is going to be unlike something that I've been to many games, the bounce house. I've been at championship games. We were at Cincy last year, which was madness. This is going to be one of those games. And I I think there's a loss. There could potentially be a loss here. That's in the worst case scenario. But I do think UCF comes out on top and uh, goes to 4-1. and one. But Nick, kind of give your overall thoughts on Baylor um, heading to the bounce house in Week 5. Yeah, I, I think a lot of games in these schedules we can say are, are kind of toss-ups. I think the, yeah. you know, the talent level might be comparable to a lot of these teams on the schedule. But And I will say this. I think very highly of Dave Aranda as a head coach look at the year prior getting to a a new year six bowl game and then last year kind of coming back down to earth but it was really a four game losing streak at the end that kind of did them in and you know the wheels kind of fall off fell off for them but they were in a lot of games i thought baylor was and that sketch their record could have been they could have won two or three more games at least last year given how they, they were, were pretty them. close against tcu if i don't if i don't recall like they were right. leading like late. yeah that's what, I'm, that's what i'm saying it was just some end of the game things that kind of did them in um, but I think they're I think they're a much better team than what they showed last year. So I am expecting Baylor to be better. But like you said, the fact that this is the the first game here against a Big Twelve opponent in the bounce house, and we've been a part of some of those really really cool atmospheres. I think this one we're expecting that it's going to be nothing different. And I think given that, I think UCF gets them here in this Week Five matchup. And I think they improved to four and one. So we're both at four and one. I'm sure at some point we will be. We're going to disagree at some diverting. Point. I know we are. I know we are. It's it's just a foregone conclusion that's going to happen. Um, let's go to week six, Kansas. Um, I think we both need to. We have both a lot to say about this game. This is a very interesting. Lance Leopold can't say enough good things about him. I mean, we'll see how it no, does. The man, it, the man went six and seven. Six and seven, and we are praising him for the the job that he did. If that tells you the standards well, of Kansas football, I think if we're being completely honest, they would not have gone six and seven if Jalen Daniels did not get hurt. They were on kind of that that trajectory of oh, Kansas, Kansas is is here. Um, Lance Leopold, obviously in his third season, he has rebuilt the Kansas program uh, offensively, uh, defensively, definitely another uh, <laughs> another story, but. I don't think there's enough we could say about Jalen Daniels other than uh, he's a beast. I mean, in nine games, he threw 18 touchdowns and only four interceptions. Offensively, they are scary. Um, It reminds me of Louisville, but like way better uh, and a way better quarterback. Uh, Now, Malik Cunningham is on my Patriots, so like uh, I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Malik. But uh, Jalen Daniels, I think he brings that element that 
scares me for UCF. Now, granted, I, I think the defense for UCF is going to be much improved, even though they were really good last year. I think handling those dual threat guys this year seems very enticing to me. I want you to talk about Kansas defense a little bit because, again, they're, they're god-awful. But um, I, unfortunately, you have Devin Neal returning. He was a 1,000-yard rusher last year, returning four starting offensive linemen. The offense averaged 35.6 points per game. I mean, again, I think this is... UCF can win this game. In my best-case scenario, I have them having a dub. Like, because again, very similar teams. I think UCF's defense is significantly better. So if we're talking about like an offensive shootout, I think UCF would be the team to get the stop. Um, but I have them taking a loss here in week six going four and two. Um, Nick, kind of talk about Kansas's defense a little bit and also give your prediction. I think we're probably right on the same point. I think we're agreeing on that. But kind of talk about Kansas's defense because I, I know they were god-awful. Uh, 124th in the nation in, in points per game allowed yeah. last year for Kansas. So you mentioned it. They put up 35 points per game on offense and they still found a way to lose seven games. And, you know, a lot of, and they did that by the way, with Jalen Daniels not being healthy for most of the second half of the season, by the way, which shows you how impressive that is. You mentioned Devin Neal coming back. This defense has to get better for Kansas. If they're going to really take that next step as a program under Lance Leopold, I do think I urged or I lean towards this being a loss for UCF. I do think on the surface this has Big 12 shootout written all over it. And all over the, it. For the simpleness of home field advantage for Kansas, I'm giving them the slight edge in this game. And I think that UCF will be, uh, you know, four and two after this stretch. Four and two going into week seven, which is my most anticipated game. Uh, is it everybody? This is this is yeah. the game. Circle this one on the calendar. Yeah, week seven against Oklahoma. UCF fans, I want to make a pre. You know, I want a a pre conversation before I give my pick. Please don't come for me. Okay, I want nothing more than a UCF win. I want nothing more than Dylan Gabriel to get sacked on his face. 50 times that, you know, nothing more in my life. That is harsh. I know. I mean, once he goes to the NFL, I'll love him again, but um, he made the best decision for him, quote unquote. But obviously week seven at Oklahoma, uh, not an easy place to play. Probably the hardest place to play on our schedule. Obviously head coach Brent Venables uh, did a terrible job in year one. Uh, going six and seven, uh, he's known for defense, Nick, and his defense was uh, atrocious. Well, um, he inherited he inherited the the Lincoln Riley the Lincoln Riley era, which was never, never defensively was ever a, a big thing. There was ever I yeah, got to give Brett Venables more time to get his guys in the building. That's true. That's true. I'll give you that. But uh, Jeff Levy obviously is still there. Uh, he, him and Dylan Gabriel have this, you know love for each other that just spans all eternity, I guess. Um, they were good on offense, uh, 32.8 points per game. It was it looked similar to Oklahoma. Um, it felt like there was always something missing. It looked like Dylan Gabriel. Uh, obviously, Dylan got hurt. I forgot what week, but it was semi-early. Uh, lost some big games. I think they were 3-1, and one, lost another one. Then it kind of went downhill from there. Um, Dylan Gabriel looked like Dylan Gabriel. 
uh, one of the best quarterbacks I've seen uh, when it comes to accuracy, but sometimes in big moments, uh, he can falter a little bit. Um, I'll let you talk about kind of the team in general, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I do have UCF having a loss here, right? I do have them going four and three. Again, just going on that road atmosphere, I think you kind of have to give the edge to Oklahoma a little bit here. What I will say, though, if there's anybody that's going to beat Oklahoma in a, I don't want to say decent fashion, but where Dylan Gabriel looks human and they can't get anything on offense, it will be UCF. Gus Malzahn has been up close and personal with DG. Most of the players have been up close and personal with DG. They know how to play against him. They practiced against him. Nobody's talking about that, surprisingly. I feel like most people are just automatically writing a dub for Oklahoma, as, and I guess I am too. But I'll say this, if any team can kind of know how to shut down Dylan Gabriel and what formations to run, it it would be UCF. So I think UCF does have the upper hand in that sense. Um, And again, if you're playing again, I want to say this one quote before I send it to you. Brent Venables said, I expect us to be on another planet defensively. That's a big quote. So he better hope that he's on another planet. Because if he's not, I think UCF could win this game very easily, but for right now, I'm giving a UCF now. In all fairness to my to the UCF Knights, I just I don't see a path to victory. I just don't. I just don't. Uh, and maybe that's I do. because <clears throat> no, that's fine. You could th- you could see that there's a path, and you know there's something to be said about you know some of the team, some of the guys that are still on this roster that played with DG harboring some feelings. I don't know. You know, maybe you want to get after him. There'll be some extra juice, but I think there's going to be a lot of extra juice. <laughs> on the side of Dylan Gabriel as well. And listen, when he was out there last year, he put up a lot of numbers. Like you said, he wilted away in some big moments, but six and seven, it was one of the worst Oklahoma teams that we've seen in the last, you know, three, four decades. Very unlike them. Uh, I thought they played pretty well against Florida state in the, uh, uh, what was it? I can't think of the bowl, all these bowl games, man, cheese it. the cheese it bowl, which it changes every year. They're in a it's camping now the pop tart bowl. Right. It's now the pop. There you go. It's the pop tart bowl in Orlando. I mean, that game was really, really close. They gave FSU a real run for their money and were winning that game late uh, with Dylan Gabriel playing some really good football. So maybe this is just this is more about Oklahoma than it is about UCF for me. I think Oklahoma is just way too good of a program. I do think Brent Venables is a good head coach and that he's going. I don't know if the defense is going to be in a different planet than it was last year in year two. I think it's going to take some time. But I think it definitely will be better, in my opinion. And I think Oklahoma, maybe this is going out on a limb, I think they could finish the season as a, uh, a top 15 team in the entire nation, right? And I think that there's a really, really good shot that they're playing for a Big 12 championship. So it really doesn't have much to do with UCF, whereas it just has much to do with Oklahoma and how I feel about them. And, and Dylan Gabriel, you know, I understand there's a lot of UCF fans who have some certain feelings about the way that he left. I know you do as well. I'm not going to deny the talent, though. I'm not going to deny the talent. I'm not going to deny how much high-level football he's played in his college football career. He's one of the more experienced quarterbacks in the entire conference all of a sudden. If Dylan Gabriel, I'll just put it like this, if Dylan Gabriel was the quarterback at UCF going into this season, my ceiling for this team changes dramatically. Like, Dylan Gabriel is a, you look at Heisman list, not a favorite by any means, but he's on that like sleeper shortlist if everything went right for Oklahoma. 
And although I think UCF's defense is going to be improved, this is going to be one of those environments that I don't think that this team, a lot of these guys on this team have played in before. This is going to Norman, Oklahoma. This is the big leagues. And I think it's going to hit them pretty early in this one. And so I think Oklahoma wins by at least two scores. At least two scores. That's how I just feel about it. And I think UCF's going to be four and three. Because remember, this is the toughest part of their schedule right here through the middle. And a lot of these games are on the road. These big games are all on the road, which we've seen how this team plays on the road. We've seen it. And unless something changes, they kind of show you who they are. So here's what I'll say. You are correct. Two counterpoints. Number one, you said we've seen how this team has played on their own. Though you are right. They went to Tulane and and beat a top 25 team on the road last year. They did. And that shocked me. And that did shock me. So I think I think what in I get where you're coming from because I still think of UCF as oh they can't win on the road because for years it was if we were going to lose any game it would be on the road to like an average team and it would ruin the season. The East Carolina last last year. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, well, they probably saw a play, the playbook, but we're not going to get into that. Um here's my thing. I 100% agree and we can all agree. Dylan Gabriel and I said one of the best passers I have seen. Like, when you talk just about accuracy, about, you know, playmaking ability, Dylan Gabriel is is probably the best in the Big 12, if not a top three, right? The only, and you're right, I think DG can have, you know, maybe a little bit of animosity, not necessarily against the program. I mean, the program let him walk, and they were all okay, and, you know, no hard feelings. I think maybe against some UCF fans. I mean, I think... UCF fans have not been as kind to uh, what they are calling him sock boy. So, I mean, I think there's animosity on both sides. But I think ultimately, I think what it comes down to is, does UCF know DG better oh, than, you know, most? Can they, do they know certain tendencies? I can't stop laughing. It's sock boy. It's sock boy. I, I can't. But again, and we'll know by week seven. We'll know if the defense on Oklahoma is on another planet defensively. If they're not, it's going to be, I think, very similar to Kansas. One, an offensive shootout where it's basically going to come down to who can make a de- defensive stop. And you said, I, I want to, because you made a point saying, I think if Dylan Gabriel was the quarterback for UCF, your ceiling would be significantly higher. I disagree. Because frankly, and that's not any mean but uh, trying to knock Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel is not a dual threat quarterback. And I think now granted do I would I feel more confident and comfortable with him being a passer in our offense and getting our I think playmakers far the ball more I just think he's a far more superior passer than anybody on UCF's roster. Absolutely. But you can say talent figures it out in whatever system. 100%. I'm just saying I think for as significantly more experienced or better he is as a passer, I think he lacks big-time moments in big-time games. So when we would have played the Kansas State in Week 4, if Dylan Gabriel was on the roster, Nick, we probably would lose that game too, even if we had John Rice Bumley. So it's like... Right. And I will say this about Dylan Gabriel, and, and I think this this is just the way I feel about it. I don't think Dylan Gabriel has significantly gotten better since 2019. I think he's flatlined. But he was he was so good in 2019, 
And the level of play that he's had since then is good enough from college football standards where I think you could call him a top 20, maybe top 15 quarterback in the entire nation. So I agree. I know that almost sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I think he's immensely talented, but I think it's a fair to say he has flatlined over the past four years of his career, but I don't think that changes the fact that he is still one of the top 2015 quarterbacks in all of college football. I think we can agree on that. And it's basically, let's see. We'll see week seven to see if, if UCF knows a little bit more and if Dylan Gabriel uh, lights this this defense up. But, you know, we'll see. Week eight, West Virginia. So let's see if we're different here. But clearly right now we are both at four and three for UCF. West Virginia, again, Coach Neil Brown, uh, I wrote in my notes, he probably won't be the coach by week eight, probably be a different coach because for the last however many months, basically all we know for certain is unless West Virginia starts out 5-0, and he's getting fired. Like he is a coach just sitting on his deathbed writing to be fired. Um, they were 5-7 and seven last year, uh, but the problem is they're only returning 10 starters. <laughs> uh, that is... You know, if you're only if you're returning over fifty, if you're not returning over fifty percent of your starters uh, from a year before, you're probably looking at a lot of transfers, which is is kind of what happened. Uh, Garrett Green is their quarterback. I'm gonna be honest, a lot of people are way higher on Garrett Green than me. I think Garrett Green is average at best. Again, another dual threat guy. He could do stuff with his legs. That's why it's an, it's crucial to see kind of what UCF does against those dual threat type of guys. But I think Garrett Green is, you know, he's got he's talented, but I think on the scale of Big 12 quarterbacks, I think that's one of the easier ones UCF has to face. Um obviously, defensively, they're 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 not good. Um so I think all new receivers as well. I'd be shocked if UCF doesn't win this one. I think this is a when I talk about best case scenario and worst case scenario, I still UCF ha- winning this game in all instances. So I have them going five and three here. Nick, kind of give your take on the Mountaineers. Um, this is one of those schools where when UCF got plopped into the Big 12, I immediately said, okay, they're better than West Virginia. Move on. Next. <laughs> That's kind of how I kind of felt about that. So I would be shocked. I would be a little shocked if they, if they, uh, they lost this game, especially at being at home. You know, at least based on my predictions, I think Oklahoma is going to handle them. I would expect them to come out the following week at home and put away a team they should. Uh, you mentioned it, Neil Brown. He might be a sitting duck over there at West Virginia. Uh, Garrett Green just haven't really seen much to really know what I'm going to get. And I feel like that's dangerous in a bad way, to be honest with you. Uh, in West Virginia's case, there's just not a lot of like about this team, if I'm, I'm being completely honest. I feel like they're just one of those programs that's a holdover here in this Big 12 kind of atmosphere i can't see them really being a major player in the conference right now and even in the immediate future because i don't think the head coach that's there right now and neil brown's going to be the head coach of the next great west virginia team and so i think ucf and west virginia are going in opposite directions not saying they're going to blow them out of the water like if this was like a like a you know a 10 point game or something like that before that's fine I'm not asking them to blow it them reminds out. me it's surprisingly and i know this is i sound weird because it's not that big, we blew out SMU. But kind of leading up to it, we're like, oh, this might be a close game, but like we still feel like UCF would win by 10 to 14. Right. Kind of feels right. like that's, that. That's kind of how I feel about it. I don't know if they're going to quite blow them out because, you know, this is not, for all of West Virginia's faults, this is not Temple, this is not Tulsa. 
or, or something like that. It's it's still it's still an upgrade in competition. But I think UCF gets it. I think they rebound from Oklahoma, and I think they're going to be five and three here at the end of this stretch. Week nine against good old Cincinnati Bearcats, which they need to be UCF's new rival. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care that we're playing Houston last. Since he needs to be the new rival, there's just too much there for it not to be the new rival. Um, obviously, uh, head coach Scott Satterfield uh, has had a lot of success against UCF over the last couple years since we've lost both games to his Louisville Cardinals. Last year, I'm still upset about that game just strictly because Louisville was not the better team. We had two touchdowns called back for stupid penalties. Some might say penalties that shouldn't have been thrown. Scott Satterfield, I was very surprised when since he hired him. He hasn't, you know, he in Louisville standards, he was not very good. I mean, he was average at best, but average in the ACC, I guess, is okay. Um, quarterback, Emory Jones, it, since he's a completely different team. That's why it's like, we can talk all we want about since he, this is a completely different roster. I think the only couple players that you can talk about that were on the previous roster were the running backs and Dante Corleone. Because Dante Corleone as a freshman was a stud, but you need more than just one player. Um, Emory Jones, obviously UCF fans should know him from the Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, You beat Florida with him being the quarterback, so we'll always love and appreciate Emory Jones. Here's the thing. Yes, Cincy's going to be a tough place to play. Cincy fans are going to show up for this game. I don't care what the record is. They're going to show up. I would be shocked. Since he had a much better team last year, a much better team, and a much better coach. Now we were at home, but UCF dom. We were at that game, Nick. UCF dominated the entire game. It, it should have been as close than as it should have. It was a lot closer than it probably should have been. That's true. Also, play with the backup quarterback, but you know, hundred percent, you're correct. I say UCF wins this game. Again, Scott Satterfield scares me just because, again, seems like Gus can't beat Scott Satterfield, which is, again, ridiculous. But I think quarterback matters. Emory Jones is not a good quarterback. And I think UCF, again, just has the better roster. Uh, so I say six and three. What do you say? I think this is our first disagreement, no? Oh, this is, I see, I'm shocked that this is what you think. This Cincy is the, fans are going to love you. I mean, this is the rivalry game, right? I mean, if USF is, if that rivalry is dead, and I think it is, I think this is the natural rivalry here. It kind of already has been for the last, you know, five, six years or whatever it's been. I just think that environment, man, Nippert Stadium is a tough, tough place to play. And in many instances, at least the last two, it's been a house of horrors for UCF. You go back to 2019, the way that one ended, speaking of Dylan Gabriel looking at you, uh, <laughs> that, that was a hard yeah, you put up a good performance that was one of the biggest heartbreakers i've had watching this team in the last four or five years no mistake about it and then in 2021 that was just that was just hard to watch that was a bludgeoning from the from the moment that game started but that sensi team went to the college football playoff okay and that's not the sensi team that we're faced with here i just think though even though i think ucf has the has the uh the advantage from a talent standpoint most rivalry games like this and going on the road to that place, I just think these two, no matter where they are as programs, they're they're going to get the best out of Cincinnati for this game. If Cincinnati is going to play their best game of the season, I think it's going to happen against UCF. That's just the way I feel. We'll see if Emory, Emory Jones, you mentioned, you don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's had, he's had flashes. He's been a flash in the pan, I think is a fair way to kind of 
to kind of, you know, describe his college football career now at three different, at what, Florida, Arizona is, State. Yeah. This is the third stop at Cincinnati. So well-traveled, no doubt about that, in the third different conference. But I'm going to lean Cincinnati here. I'm going to lean Cincinnati here. I just think you're going to get Cincinnati's best game from here. And But again, this is, again, you go back to the best case scenario. This is one of those games that I circle of which way, what is their ceiling, which way is it going to go. I think Cincinnati, kind of like Boise State, is in that kind of category for me. You know, I'm not, with rivalry games, anything can happen. I mean, we were at the USF game last year, and we were, you know. It was a good example, thinking, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and then a, a flip switched, and you only win by seven. So, anything uh, can happen. Florida, I mean, if look at, I mean, I can only speak to the rivalries mainly that are in this state, and there's plenty to choose from, but obviously I keep I keep very in track with what's going on in this state. Uh, Florida, Florida State last year. That game went down to the wire with a Florida team that was not very good and nearly pulled out a win. If it wasn't for Anthony Richardson having like 15 straight incompletions, who knows? That game, that result of that game is probably different. I've seen it before. Miami, Florida State, that they always have played each other close up until this last year for the most yeah, part. I mean, I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. And I think UCF Cincinnati is in that kind of right, not saying the rivalry, their rivalry is as big as those by any means, but it's a rivalry nonetheless. And I think Cincinnati ultimately makes it three for three, their last three trips to UCF over to Nipper. That's just the way I feel right now. That could change, but preseason, yeah, we'll I, see. It, I think it's I a mean, We'll see how, since he's a big question mark, just because, again, it feels like the entire team got flipped on its head, and rightfully so. I mean, Luke Fickle was Cincinnati, and that's no longer the case. So I think the only thing I'll say about the Emory Jones, yes, he has shown flashes, but I think... The Florida UCF game was probably one of the biggest games, you know, because I don't care what Florida fans say. Like, if you're telling me that Florida, the Florida Gators in that year did not give a, a heck about UCF or a hell about UCF, you are absolutely crazy. I mean, at the end of the day, they wanted to prove why they were the big dog, and Emory Jones was the quarterback of that team. Now, I will say, I I know people that know Emory personally. And I've heard he's a great kid. All I'm saying is a quarterback. He is way below average for me. I think he could do certain things that might, you know, catch UCF off guard. But I also know that Gus has already game planned for Emory Jones. Was pretty good against him in that Florida game. And there's nobody on Cincinnati's offense that I go, I'm scared of, and they can really hurt me. Playing in Nippert is a whole whole you are 100% right that is its own beast entirely but I do think if UCF is at that point five and three go and beating some of the teams they've beat going into Nippert I think if Cincy is you know have two or three games I think you can you can compute okay UCF's the better team they go in saying you want to win this game and, and also keep in mind with uh, you mentioned Cincinnati's offense kind of being overhauled here in year one under Jeff Sat or uh, Scott Satterfield there's a lot of transfers. Their entire receiving core is like completely flipped over from what it was last year in particular. But, you know, there is one name that sticks out to me, and that's uh, Xavier Henderson, who comes from Florida and not the greatest Florida team last year, as I just mentioned a second ago, but for what it's worth, led them in receptions last year. And I think a lot of folks at Florida were a little shocked when he uh, hit the portal and, and got out of there. So I think that is a... He could be, in my opinion, sort of what Javon Baker was to UCF last year. Coming from a big program, 
a lot of talent there and going to a smaller program, right? Obviously, I don't think anybody's going to debate that. Um, and having a bit and paying big dividends, I think. Uh, there was a relationship there with Emory Jones, I believe, as well. So he's a guy, I think, if you're looking for somebody that scares you a little bit on that offense, I would just kind of circle him right now. But, you know, he's joined. They got all the, all the, uh, the transfers they brought in in that receiving core. They're all seniors, so they've all played a lot of football over their career, seen a lot of things. So I, I just think that Cincinnati is being written off. And, and I'm not trying to be a Cincinnati homer here, but I think they're being written off a lot. I just think that when they play UCF, it's just simple as that. I think they're going to play their best game of the season. And we'll see if their best game is better than UCF's in that given day. So I have them being six and three. You have them being five and four at this point. Let's go to week 10, heading back home against Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State. Um, They were seven and six last year. Has never had a losing season at Oklahoma State. I think this is the first year that people are questioning that. Um, not a good roster at all. A lot of turnover. Uh, had to really get a lot of transfers. Obviously, uh, Spencer Sanders is no longer with the team. You now have Alan Bowman. Um, he's kind of had an up and down career. He had a great early career at Texas Tech. Then went to Michigan. I think he only played two games at Michigan and no longer saw, uh, saw the field after that. Um, but Alan Bowman had a lot of good games against Oklahoma State. So that's clearly why uh, Coach Gundy went and got him. Um, Ollie Gordon II is clearly going to be the workhorse for this team. If there was anybody that could give Oklahoma State advice, it would be run the football. Uh, you have a decent offensive line. Um, probably great that decent is not good enough. A great offensive line um, and just run the ball with him. And I'm sure he will uh, kind of be the workhorse for you. Again, you have a top your top receiver returning, so that always helps. The question mark is the defense. They are switching their scheme to a 3-3-5, which I think, again, could either be great or terrible. Um, it, it really depends, um, but I think it gives them a lot more flexibility, um, especially in the secondary position and in the middle of the field. Um, they are thin at quarter uh, cornerback, but I do think, again, when you... Head to the bounce house. I think you always give a little bit of an edge to UCF in, in that department, just like when you travel anywhere, but the bounce house is a different beast. I think with all the question marks, and again, we could change our mind. This is all the way in week 10. Who knows what Oklahoma State's going to be in week 10. I'm going to give UCF the dub on this one just because of all the question marks surrounding Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State can be good. That's the thing. They can be good or bad, um, but a lot of people are just expecting because of all the turnover that this is going to be the year that Mike Gundy has it's his first losing season at Oklahoma State. But uh, Nick, kind of what is your take? I now say seven and three, but um, do you think this is a dub for UCF? Uh, I don't. <laughs> mm. I don't. I'm going uh, I'm going five and five after this one. Uh, Mike Gundy has a hell of a track record there at Oklahoma State. And when you look at it, he I don't think he's ever put two just average years in a row at Oklahoma State. When he has an average year, he usually that follows that up. And I know you mentioned roster turnover and all those stuff, but I think what goes into their advantage, uh, I believe they avoid you know Texas and TCU in their schedule, and they get to play all four of the Big 12 newcomers, UCF being included. So I think that helps them. I think a little bit higher Oklahoma State probably than you do. But listen, they're kind of all over the place. Like when I did some digging for this game, I looked at some I looked at some other people who cover uh, the Big 12 Conference as a whole. 
And Oklahoma State, like if you go to CBS Sports and they had all their insiders kind of predict, you have a couple insiders who predict that Oklahoma State could be a wild card to get into the Big 12 championship game. And you have a couple analysts who have them as the third best team in the conference. And then on the flip side, you have a couple analysts who think that they're the ninth best team in the conference. So they're kind of all over the place here with where we feel about this Oklahoma State team. Law of averages, I think they're comfortably right in the middle, right? This is a game that UCF absolutely could win. Wouldn't shock me by any means. But as of right now, I'm going to lean Oklahoma State because given the schedule, what they avoid, what they get to play, I think they're going to have a lot to play for coming into this UCF game. And because of the experience of Mike Gundy in this conference and the fact that his teams usually show up to play, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State in this one and UCF be 5-5. Five five. You know, again, with some of these big 12 games, I'm not necessarily – that doesn't shock me you say that. You're going more conservative. I'm kind of – I still feel like I'm going conservative. But I think when teams have big question marks, and like you said, there are a lot of analysts that are saying they don't think Oklahoma State's going to be that good. I kind of look at quarterback play when that comes down in the middle where people like, we think they'll be the dark horse or they'll be better than people think. I need I don't know what we're going to see out of Allen Bowman. I mean, are we going to get Texas Tech? Or are we going to get Michigan? If we get Michigan, I think Oklahoma State's going to be a really bad football team. If we get Texas Tech, then I think Oklahoma's really serviceable, that they have a good pass game and run game in that point, and the defense could be good. Again, that's another toss-up. Um, I just will then, in this case, say bounce house kind of puts UCF over the hump for that game. So I have them going 7-3, and three, and you have them at 5-5 five and five, um, at this very moment. All right, let's talk about Lubbock uh, at Texas Tech. Joey McGuire, second year uh, at Texas Tech. A lot of people are kind of thinking that, you know, Joey McGuire is in line to potentially be um, a coach of the year candidate in the Big 12. Uh, had a great first year, 8-5. and five. Um, Tyler Shuck is 8-1 and one as a starter. Uh, when he's on the field, he's impressive. Biggest question mark is, can Tyler Shuck stay healthy? Uh, if he's healthy, Texas Tech is probably, in my opinion... Um, I think they are the dark horse to win the conference, um, in my opinion. I like them over Texas um, when that game takes place, if Tyler Shuck is healthy. Um, the O-line can be good. Um, there are some inconsistencies with the offensive line that I guess we'll see if it's shorn up uh, by week 11. Uh, the defense returning six starters, and they led the Big 12 in sacks. This I'm going to say a loss. This is one of my losses. I said this was one of my losses eight months ago. Lubbock is one of those places that it's it's a good environment to play football. I mean, traveling to Lubbock, you don't want to do it, especially not in week 11. Um, this is one of the games that I do have in my both best case and worst case. I do have in both of those cases a loss. Um, I don't. We'll see how the cookie crumbles here. I Again, this is week 11. We're just going based off the roster we see on paper and how we think it'll all kind of work out. But I think going to Lubbock is just not a game UCF is going to be able to, to compete. I think of Navy the week before USF, and that was at home. This is a much tougher <laughs> tougher game than Navy. Um, so I say UCF drops a game here and goes 7-4. and four. Uh, I would be shocked if Nick does not agree with me on on that one. Well, I'll just tell you this straight up. 
you mentioned that Texas Tech could be the dark horse to win the conference. I'll just go out there on a limb and say it. I think Texas Tech is going to win the Big 12 conference this year. I am buying stock. I am buying stock in Texas Tech this year. I think you want to talk about just a – they're more of a dark horse, in my opinion, to be a factor like in the top 10 of the rankings, in my opinion, than to win the conference. Because mm. I think Texas Tech, Texas, and Oklahoma, I think we're expecting to be the class of the conference. Texas Tech last year, right, and they had to play three quarterbacks, first year under Joey McGuire, a roster that he really was unfamiliar with, if we're being completely honest. They overachieved Tyler Shuck. When he was out there, you just mentioned it. Eight and one when he was on the field. Can he stay on the field? That's the big question. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he will. I think Texas Tech is going to be playing for a lot more by the time they get to see UCF at home. And UCF, by my estimations, will be playing for a lot too. And that's called getting bowl eligible. But I think Texas Tech will have bigger aspirations. I'm buying stock in them. Uh, I know defensively, when you lose a top 10 draft pick in Tyree Wilson, that's certainly a big, a big loss, but uh, they got the best interior defensive line in the entire conference. Tony Bradford Jr., Jalen Hutchins. So they're going to be outstanding the way I project it. Uh, they beat Texas and Oklahoma last year. That's the first time they've ever done that in their entire program's history. They're on the up and up. If you look at what McGuire is doing on the recruiting trail, I believe they jumped UCF in the latest rankings of having the number one class in the big 12 for 2024. So he's doing a lot of things right there in Lubbock. So I think Texas tech comfortably wins this game and moves on to bigger and better things. And this would drop UCF to five and six under my estimation. And this would be their third straight loss as well. And I want to make it very clear to the UCF fans that, you know, are upset with some of the predictions or that just think we're going to win 10 games automatically. This is trying to. See, this is just an early prediction. For all we know, UCF will start five, six, and zero, and then we're having a completely well, different yes, conversation. It, listen, if you listen to the the podcast last week, we went over this roster position by position. This is a talented roster. I am not going to tell you that it's not, but I think anybody that thinks that UCF is coming into this conference right away and winning 9-10 games like they did last year, I just think is fooling themselves, at least predicting that right away. That may go and happen, but I just don't see that at this very moment, or I don't see what evidence I have that I can predict that. This team still lost five games last year, okay, in the American Conference. It still happens. Am Am I looking at it, the fact that you don't have some of these cupcakes on the schedule anymore that I'm expecting you to drop some games? And then I'm also going because this is college football and it's crazy and it's been crazier in the last few years. That's why I go against Cincinnati. I have them dropping that game. That's just kind of like that one game that UCF probably should win on paper because they have a better roster than Cincinnati. But for the factors that I said and the fact that I think most of the teams in the country that are not the elite of the elite, they always have that one game that gets them. It just happened. I mean, Notre Dame lost to Marshall last year. At home, who had that coming? You didn't. Texas A and M. Who was that team they lost to in like week two at home? I can't even think anymore. Oh, gosh, was it Appalachian yeah, State? It was Appalachian State, if I'm not mistaken. It just happens. It just happens. So I'm not trying to be Mister Negative over here on, on UCF. I'm just playing it very safe. I'm not getting my expectations through the roof. 
like I said, last year was a completely different thing. When they lost to Louisville, I thought the whole house needed to be burned down. We can't beat Louisville at home. It's over, right? They still ended up winning 10 games, whatever it was. I don't feel that way this year. I don't. I'm gonna have a lot, I'm gonna have a lot longer of a leash on this team because I don't think this year is going to be the best UCF team you're gonna see in the next few years in the Big 12. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. If they keep recruiting the way they the way they are right now, they'll get there. They will get there, I promise. But not this year, in my opinion. Let's go to week 12. <laughs> I have to preface. I just got to preface that. that, that. Well, I just felt like, because, yeah, like, you're at five and six right now. I, I have a little bit more belief. Now, granted, again, I will say after week 12, kind of where my thought process is, and if things are not what I'm thinking it's going to be, how different this this record could be. Week 12, Houston at home. I hate Houston. Uh, they're not... It's like, they're not exciting. Dana Holgerson, I think, is like, you know, as a coach, I think he's everywhere. He, it's up in the... like. I can't tell you what Houston is going to be. I don't know what Houston's going to look like. Houston's one of those games I'd be shocked if UCF lost. Let's just put it out there. I have my final prediction at eight and four. Um, Houston wasn't bad last year. They were eight and five. UCF was nine and five. It was more so just like Houston had a really high expectations. Now, we even came on the pod and when we were talking about the American, we're like, I don't know what the hype is around Houston. We proved to be right because Houston was not anything special. Um, they have one of the toughest schedules in the Big 12, and I think many would say in the country. They're playing all the top Big 12 schools that you would think that they would be playing, like that you wouldn't want to see. Like, we didn't get TCU or Texas. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Nick, Houston has TCU, Texas, Kansas State, Baylor, uh, and Oklahoma. Like, they have everybody tough. So, you know, they have Donovan Smith at quarterback. We don't know if he's going to start or if it's going to be the other guy. I-, I can't even tell you the other guy's name. Donovan Smith, obviously, Texas Tech. They have their leading rusher returning. They have solid options at receiver. Nobody crazy that makes me jump out of my chair. Um, on defense, they did replace a lot of guys, but I don't think that really matters since their defense was atrocious last year. They were 112th in the country. So this is going to be terrible for Houston if they don't don't figure out the defense because the Big 12 is much better than the American. Um, so I have them going 8-4. and four. I hate that we're playing them in the last week. I'd much rather be playing Cincy, but I am happy that we have a home game to end the season. So give your thoughts on Houston. And at this point, for you, this is do or die. If you don't win this game, you're not bowl eligible, which could be travesty for UCF. Correct. And I think UCF rises to the occasion. I think they put Houston away, and I think they do it handily. Uh, I don't think I have Houston as a program whatsoever. Uh, I think Dana Holgerson's best days as a college football coach are, are way past him, well past him. And I think if you're Houston, you want to talk about setting yourself up for to go into the, the Big 12 conference now cementing itself as the third best conference probably in college football, at least third safest, I think we'll say. Yep. Going in with Dana Holgerson is a bold move, a bold move. And I'll just say it. I think he gets fired at the end of the year if he makes it through the end of the year. That's just the way I feel. I think Houston, if they're not the worst team in the conference, that could go to Iowa State. Some people might say it's Cincy. I think they're going to be right there at the bottom. It's a tough schedule. I don't think they have a lot of talent there to work with at the moment. It kind of just feels like they were along for the ride, to be honest with you, in this from a football standpoint. Coming to conference expansion, I know some other sports they excel at, but football right now, 
very down. Don't think much of them. UCF, like you said, under my estimation, will be playing for a bowl game here. It's at home. Saying goodbye to the seniors. John Rice Plumley's last football game. All those things considered, I think UCF puts them away by three scores at least. So, uh, and that would round out six and six and and bowl eligible for UCF. But you got eight and four. We're 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 two games apart. Two games apart. No, and I think if you look at the the two games, I think that I have winning that you don't. I have us winning Cincy, which I think we both agree is a very winnable game. That very winnable. I mean, very winnable. So, I'm not saying it. I'm not etching it in stone. One? I'm not etching it in stone. Oklahoma State was the other one. Oh, and Oklahoma State. So again, I think. So I'll say, let's just before we kind of give our final thoughts. So I have eight and four. You have six and six. My best case scenario, you're going to be, what do you think my best case scenario is? If it's, if you're eight and four right now. Yep. 10 and two. 10 and two. That's my best case scenario. Now that is if UCF is again, like I said, they come out, they prove that they're one of the better teams that we've seen. Darren Henshaw completely revitalized this offense. John Rice Plumley looks like a top quarterback in the nation. Um, I think 10 and two. Um, the only two games that I don't see them winning would be, I think it's Kansas State. I couldn't even tell you. I know that one of them is Texas Tech. I know best case scenario, worst case scenario, they're taking a loss in one of them. I forget the other one. I want to say it because I think it's important to the conversation why I believe this. So worst case, two and one. Okay, so Kansas State and Texas Tech. I think those are the two games, worst case scenario-wise, that I think UCF would lose, or in the best case scenario. Um, I think 10 and two, if we're talking 10 and two, guys, and I mean, if that does happen, don't go on Twitter if you're a Big 12 fan because UCF fans will be relentless uh, on Twitter if we go 10 and two. My worst case scenario, I actually had it very similar to you. I had six and six. Um, now, for all the UCF fans that might go at Nick and say, I can't believe you say this team is a six and six football team, you're disrespectful. Let me just get this 100% say. I'm saying eight and four, but if we're talking about, if we have the same team as we did last year, which no disrespect to the team last year, if we have that team this year, six and six would be amazing. Okay? Like, can we, yeah, can, were, we, can we agree that six and six, I know that people are going to say I'm, I'm being disrespectful, but can we agree for the most part, six and six would be a good season for the first one? A hundred thousand percent. And I think we, there was only one comment. Or so, although I'm, I think most UCF fans are very realistic about that, that they're like, if we get a bowl game, that's great. So I'm not saying it's basically the majority of UCF fans. For the few that are basically acting like this team you know what, for the ones that are saying, for like the people in the country that are saying UCF is a dark horse to go to the Big 12 championship, UCF is a dark horse, they're going to be the best out of the four, I will say this, I don't necessarily disagree, because if you do look at the roster, if the team plays up to its potential and John Rice Plumley is as good as, you know, everybody's hyping him up to be, then I do think, I again, my best case ceiling is 10-2. and two. I think that gives you a, sh- a shot at the championship, Right. If you win the games you're supposed to win. For all of you that, like, I think we're all realistic in saying 6-6, six and six, you know, is good. And again, if you get to go a bowl game in your first year in the Big 12, Cincy, I don't think, makes a bowl game. 
Houston, I don't think, makes a bowl game. I only think the only one that makes a bowl game is maybe BYU, but even then, they've got some tough games too. So, I mean, if you go 6-6 six and six in your first year, after going 9-5 and five a year before in a much easier conference, that would be incredible for Gus Malzahn and be incredible for UCF. Right, and I, I think my, my ceiling on the team is probably 9-3 and three because I had them losing toss-ups to Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and Kansas. Those are my three big toss-up games that I think can go other way. They can go the other way. And on the flip side of that, I think Boise State could be a game that they pull back on potentially and lose. I mean, Boise State got, I think, like 20-something votes, I think. And I know these AP polls, they are what they are. But for what it's worth, they have some hype around them. You mentioned it. They're the favorite this year in their conference. They're trying to set themselves up for realignment potentially. Who knows what happens with that subject. Um, so that to me is the one game that I, of everything I predicted go, go the other way. But so I would say my ceiling is not, my ceiling is nine and three with this football team. And I think their floor is probably four and eight. If they just start losing games that are, that are toss ups like that. And they're on the wrong end of it, which could happen. I mean, there's a lot of scenarios. This is a very difficult season to kind of, you know, really predict and really have your, really, you know, feel comfortable about it. I'm erring on the side of caution. I'm erring on the side of caution because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how big the talent gap is going to I'm expecting the talent gap to be a lot different in this conference. And I just want to see how UCF adapts first. That's it. That's it. And that's not bad. And that's the thing. Like I said, like my prediction is eight and four. But if in the first three weeks, I'm kind of like, if we're two and one, and you know, I watched the Boise game, and it was it's a, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, I'm gonna I mean, maybe pull back the, a little bit and say I don't time, know in week five. Right, and for the first time in gosh, I mean, at least a decade or so. I mean, I guess 2015 if you want to count that one. I'm already looking at the schedule, and I'm saying there's three games in this. In my opinion, there's three games in my opinion on this schedule that I'm already kind of just putting an elf out. Like I don't remember the last time I've had to probably go back to 2015. Uh, 2016 for what the expectations were around those teams, right? I That to me, I haven't had to do that in a long time when it comes to UCF. That's just the reality. That's just the reality here. But I think the good thing, and this is what I w- will take away from it, if UCF goes in a, a span, right? Now, 4-8 and eight would be bad. Don't get it twisted. 4-8 and eight would be really bad because then it's like, you know, I don't want to even think about four and eight, but the good thing is if you just win the first three. Now we talked about it a little last week, Nick. Like, okay, if you are three and zero, all you need to do is win three more. And even though three and six in the Big Twelve is not amazing, it's not good, and there would need to be improvement. You're you're bowl eligible. You right. won three games, right? That, that is the goal for year one. A hundred percent. And if anybody's telling you anything different, like, yeah, if you go to the Big Twelve championship. Uh, we'll be relentless on this pod. I right, mean, and, and, I, and and to that point, if they go six and six and people are going to be like, oh, this is underwhelming, and it, stop it. Just stop. No. This is, it's not going to be underwhelming. We're not going to be calling for Gus Malzahn's head. We're not doing any of that. We're not doing any of that. The only thing that would cause me to be, to really kind of, okay, let's back up a little bit and reevaluate things as if this team goes, if they win like three games or something like that. But I don't think that's going to happen. Too talented of a roster. There's too talented of a roster, I think, to win three games. I just don't know if it's talented enough to get to 
you know, some people saying that they're potential dark horse for the Big 12. Not in year one. Not in year one. No. But we'll see. Obviously, a lot of question marks. And I think the baseline that we could take away from this, guys, is regardless. If we go 6-6, six and six, if we go 10-2, and two, if we go 12-0, and 0, right? Or if we go 4-8. Now, granted, 4-8, you might lose some recruits. I don't know. The baseline that we could take away from the season is the future is so bright in regards to this team that you have to understand long-term, UCF is going to be a big player, if not the player in the Big yes, 12. Give it, give it, I'm telling you, give it three years. If, if they that. can put together, if that, if, but if they can put together three more years of top 25 classes, okay, they can do that. They are positioning themselves to potentially be that brand in the Big 12 conference once Oklahoma and Texas leave. I truly believe that. I truly do. Because a lot of these other programs have kind of been there for a long time. They are what they are. Some of them are, are places where they're not pulling in these high recruits. They just have a lot of veteran, they have veteran head coaches, things like that. And every now and then, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get a TCU from last year where all the stars align and they're in the national championship game. Okay. But in regards to being the brand in the Big 12, I think UCF is well positioned, not just well positioned. I think they're one of the, the top handful of teams positioned to get there. We just got to have patience. We just got to have patience. That's it. Patience. And again, who knows what can happen? Anything can happen this year. There's too many good teams, too many close games that could go in UCF's favor. So by no means am I saying I'm I'm six and six is the peak. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy it. It is fun. Enjoy the season. Regardless of how I feel about how these games are going to go, it is fun to break down the Baylors of the world, the Kansas States, the Texas Techs, the Oklahomas, it is infinitely more fun to break that down than Tulane, on all respect to Tulane, because I know they're on the up and up. Temple, Tulsa, East Carolina, Navy. I mean, I I've, I've blocked out the conference. I can't even think of all the other teams now, and I think I'm fine with that. It's just so much better to, to be dialed in on, on the big time of college football. So let's enjoy it. Let's just enjoy it. Regardless of how painful some of these games might be, potentially, it just know we are much better off than we were a year ago. And that's no disrespect to the American teams or, or any group of five. Like I said, we're always going to support the group of five. If Tulane is better than Power Five schools, we will push for Tulane to be in the top 20 because that's what we wanted when we were in the American. So, but it's definitely going to be an exciting season, a lot of great things on the horizon, um, and hopefully a lot of dubs this season. I don't know what our longest episode is, but I think we might have broke that record. I, think I know we we've had some it. long ones, but I think we shattered it. I think um, we so did. I will definitely be having to put timestamps down below so that people can get on with it because this is definitely a long one. But it was needed. A lot of discussion. Um, like I said, just a quick reminder, the giveaway, I'll be posting that on Monday. Uh, that will be this today's Friday. So head on over to my Twitter. I'll let Nick post it as well. Uh, so follow both of us, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and then uh, put a comment down below uh, what you think your record prediction is, or put it down here in this YouTube comments. Uh, we'd love to see if you think we're ridiculous, or uh, if you think, you know, either way, if you think we're right on, or if, if we're terrible. So uh, let us know there. Guys, next week, two episodes a week, we are coming to you on Wednesday, a day before the opening game, and we'll bring you everything there is to know about Kent State. 
All right, everybody, this has been Charge On presented by Bet Online. We will see you for the first game week of the year. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.